0: invite you to remain standing a moment longer as we read this morning's gospel. We'll be reading from the gospel according to Luke, the third chapter, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves... We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats, must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And, and we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, And be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in His hand to clear His threshing floor and to gather the wheat into His granary. But the chaff He will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, He proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So friends, we talked about this for the last couple of weeks because this is the Advent season. And if you've been here with us, you know I've reminded us this is not the Christmas season in the eyes of the church. This is Advent. This is a season of preparation. We are not yet to Christmas. There is an Advent Christmas cycle as with other cycles in the Christian year. Uh, and so we uh, use these weeks leading up to Christmas to be prepared, to be more prepared. And so... It's not just upon me as one of the pastors here of the church to have this responsibility, not to hurry and discuss the nativity. We share this responsibility. You and I, as as Christians, following the way of Christ. Yes, we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. But until then, we we need to have this responsibility and, and accept it and help the world slow down and Receive the good news of the coming of Christ. Not rush to fall by the manger and to give gifts. That will come. But we are in a time of preparation. Joyful preparation. Joyful expectation. A building up, if you will, of the momentum and the joy of the Christ child being born. So God has promised change to the world Uh, for the Jewish people they prepared for generations for the coming of Messiah. And their understanding of Messiah is not exactly as we Christians have, for we see that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we also, as people preparing to receive the great gift of God, this promised change into the world, we prepare for Jesus, yes, as the babe in Bethlehem, but also as the adult Jesus that this prophet of the New Testament, John the Baptist, is speaking of, but also in the everyday comings of Jesus into our lives so that we can be more faithful and, as John the Baptist points out, more fruitful. So the world of John the Baptist's day, the world of the prophet Zephaniah, and many would say the world that we live in today, 2,000 years after the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, has quite a few similarities, if you will. There seems to be a lot of corruption. Oh, I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about in the time of the prophet Zephaniah and John the Baptist. Leaders were not staying true to the faith they claimed to have. There was a perversion of of worship of God for Zephaniah. In his day, it was not following the, the teachings of Yahweh, of somehow... Allowing the priests who led in worship to pervert the message of God. Allowing arrogant leadership of the people through crooked and and deceitful kings to have a say. There was continuing captivity and oppression of people, especially people who, in God's eyes, are very vulnerable. Widows, orphans, the poor, the hungry, the naked, the thirsty. You see, thousands of years later, it doesn't seem the world has changed a whole lot. We have more technology. We get around a lot easier, it seems like, and quicker. But some of these same problems exist today. Now, when the prophet Zephaniah came, Zephaniah uh, prophesied during the reign of King Josiah. King Josiah was actually, uh, in the kingdom of Judah, was was one of the better, wasn't a good king, but was one of the better ones who tried some. And so Zephaniah, what we heard today, what you heard read uh, by Eleanor today was the end of Zephaniah's written message. What you didn't hear was Zephaniah's condemnation of the leadership and of the people who failed to hear God's Word even in the midst of that oppression by bad kings, bad leaders, bad church leaders. But what we heard Zephaniah proclaim in the reading today that Eleanor shared was, was a restoration of hope, was the giving of joy, was the giving of good news to a people who felt beat up at the time. God had somehow, they were told, abandoned them. And Zephaniah was saying, no, God has not abandoned you. God is with you and God will restore you to this great joy that you once had. So they were looking forward to this age of, 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 of return, this, this time when, when God would lead them in powerful ways and the bad leaders would be put aside. That's, that's the message of good news for the people that Zephaniah prophesied with and to. And so we fast forward about 600 years to the prophet that we know better as John the Baptist. We met John last week. He was the kind of the focus of the gospel text last week we met him and we see him again today he hasn't changed locations he's still out in the wilderness and these people who are coming to them today he addresses them as a brood of vipers now you may know people who somehow live lives as if they're privileged lives does anybody know anybody like that maybe they're in our classrooms even but in our workplace, in our community, they, they somehow kind of think that, 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 that they are in a good place and that that's all they need to do. And some of them are even so bold to say that they have been saved, that they have experienced salvation. So I want to look at this for just a minute, what John the Baptist says, because I see some striking similarities to people of faith who think nothing else is desired of God by them once they feel like they have experienced salvation. John paints this image of an axe laying at the root, and he's talking about Abraham. These people who think because we're descendants of Abraham, we're good. God's fortune rests upon us. And John says, no, actually the axe is laying at the root. There's much more to this life of faith. And John says, all I'm doing is this ritual kind of cleansing with water, but there's one more powerful than me who's coming after me, and he will not only baptize with the Holy Spirit, but with fire. And so for these people who think they've they've reached the place in life where nothing else is needed or necessary, where God has no more will for them, no more desire for them, this is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to me. It's a wake-up call to you. It's certainly a wake-up call to the world because John uses these images of restoration. Why does John talk about this winnowing of God? Why does God talk about this separation of the wheat from the chaff? Why does why does John talk about God putting into God's own granary the the fruit that God finds pleasing and yet burning the other product? It's because... John the Baptist is giving people hope. Those very people who look around and see how life is unfair, those very people who who see government leaders taking advantage of them, the very people who who may claim this this faith and then there's no fruit on their vines, this gives hope to those vulnerable children of God. And so the question ought to be asked of us, Where, where do we see ourselves I mean, this is the season of preparation. This is a time of of getting ready for not just baby Jesus, as I said, but adult Jesus who comes with that winnowing fork, who comes with this notion that God's faithful will be restored, that the great joy that people once knew will come again. And so we, on this Sunday of joy, this third Sunday in Advent, we're invited to hear in this... Words of confrontation from these two great prophets that God has this desire to restore us to this right relationship. And by the grace of God, Jesus comes into this world and Jesus wants to have each and every one of our hearts. He's not going to force Himself upon us. But He wants to see us respond to this love and forgiveness, this this message that He will live out even to the the moment he dies when he forgives those who are killing him. This is a powerful message, friends. It's inviting us into a time of, of spiritual change, to be different people, to allow the fruit of our relationship with Christ to be born out into the world so that these people, did you hear the groups? The crowd asked. Tax collectors asked. Soldiers asked. What do we do? And the message is, share with what you have. Oh, that rubs us Americans raw. We've been told to, to earn and to, and to spend. This is a season of, of consumerism, isn't it? Have you looked at your bank account? Have you looked at your credit cards? You know, where is your money going these last few weeks? I can tell you where a lot of my money has gone. And yet we are invited to hear this message, this message of hope, to the oppressed of the world, so that we Christians can be reminded of our need to share God's love. Writer Gordon McDowell tells a story he was lecturing, and, and after this lecture, uh, uh, a, a Nigerian woman who happened to be a physician, he was, Gordon McDowell was speaking at a teaching, a renowned teaching hospital, and, and this physician came up to him and was just talking about how much she enjoyed uh, McDowell's presentation there to the uh, to the staff and the faculty at this teaching hospital, and 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 McDowell said he picked up on her African accent, and he said it was like three or four syllables, uh, you know, it was it was pretty. And so he said, well, what is your uh, so what does your Nigerian name actually mean? And she said, child who takes away the anger. He said, well, how how did you get that name, child who takes away the anger? And she said, oh my uh, uh, my grandparents uh, forbade my parents from dating and were appalled when the notion of marriage came up, so much so that, she said, when her parents decided to marry against their parents' will, uh, they were cut off from everything. No more relationship. And she said, and then I was born. And she said, my parents gave my grandparents one more chance to to come and to meet the new grandchild. And she said, as my grandparents held me up, they're the ones who said, this child has taken away the anger. So she said, I was named child who takes away the anger. And McDowell says, that could be what Jesus' name stands for. The child who takes away the anger. And that is exactly what Jesus comes into this world to do, to bring hope and joy and peace and love. And so often we just bypass all that in our busyness because we've got schedules to keep. We've got things to do and to be at. We've got people that we know are on our list that we need to buy for. And all that time, we bypass people who are in true need, desperate times in their lives. What do we do about it? We do As John the Baptist said, we share. We share out of our gross abundance that we have. You know, I thought about challenging the church this year to tithe to the church what you're spending on your family and yourselves. Think about that. If you know what you've been spending to this point, think about what a tithe off of that would look like if you did that to the church as a gift to the ministries of the church. I didn't do that. Ricky's doing something similar to that over at Pecan Street, but, but I didn't challenge you that. But I, I, I think that that can be reflective of our willingness to let go of these things that we so treasure in life so that we can be about God's work. Frederick Beekner told a story about... Uh, a Christmas pageant in an Episcopal church, and he said the priest was, was sharing this story with him. He said, oh, you know, every year we have this Christmas pageant. We, re- we work really hard. The kids are the center uh, of, of the pageant. Uh, they, they get their roles. They have their lines. And he said this, this particular year that he was sharing with Frederick Biegner, he said the, uh, the angels, uh, the kids who were being angels, were invited to sit with their families out in the congregation. And so, as the pageant unfolded, as the characters came in and everybody was taking their spot, he said the 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 area down in front was getting quite cluttered with people. There were a lot of kids participating in the pageant that year, and at the appointed time, the angels uh, rose up out of their seats and they came down front and and, and all of this during the singing of of uh, uh, to adore the baby Jesus in the manger. And this this little girl who who struggled to get down there and to get a spot where she could see she. She was tiny, Beekner said. She was tiny and she couldn't see the baby Jesus no matter where she tried to go. There were were other biblical characters, wise men and shepherds and other angels in the way and this tiny little girl finally said, Let Jesus show! Friends, I think that's what John the Baptist was after. Not just 2,000 years ago, But to us today, let Jesus show in your life, not just one time, but every day, throughout our days, throughout our weeks, months, and years, let us be people who let Jesus show. Our theme today is do. What do we do? We let Jesus show. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.